All right, it's uh, six o'clock and my name is Andre LaRue. I'm the chair of the Medford Community Development Board and I call to order our July 16th, uh, 2020 meeting. Pursuant to Governor Baker's March 12th, 2020 order suspending certain provisions of the open meeting law, general law chapter 30A, Section 18 and the governor's March 15th, 2020 order imposing strict limitation on the number of people that may gather in one place. This hearing of the Medford Community Development Board will be conducted via remote participation to the greatest extent possible. Specific information and the general guidelines for remote participation by members of the public and or parties with a right and or requirement to attend this meeting can be found on the City of Medford website at www.medfordma.org. For this meeting, members of the public who wish to listen or watch the meeting may do so by accessing the meeting link contained herein. No in-person attendance of members of the public will be permitted, but every effort will be made to ensure that the public can adequately access the proceedings in real time via technological means. In the event that we are unable to do so, despite best efforts, we will post on the City of Medford or Medford Community Media website an audio or video recording, transcript, or other comprehensive record of proceedings as soon as possible after the meeting. I want to remind uh, the members of the public who are watching via Zoom or uh, at home on TV to participate remotely outside of the virtual platform. Questions and comments may be submitted via email to ocd at medford-ma.gov or via phone to 781 393-2480. For accommodations, please call 781-393-2480 and um, we will have some folks help you out. Um, we'll be, staff, city staff will be monitoring the, the phone lines as well as uh, the email address of the Community Development uh, Office of Medford. Thank you. Our first item on the agenda are the approval of minutes for the last meeting. Any uh, comments or questions uh, by the board or corrections? Andre, I haven't had a chance to read those. Um, it looks like they're they're long and detailed, which is great. Uh, but I, my motion would be to wait and vote on accepting them at the next meeting so we have a chance to review them. Is there a second to that? Sure. Great, thanks, Deanna. All right, a motion to uh, continue approval of the minutes to our August meeting. I will call, remember all, all votes are roll call votes, so I will have to call one by one, everybody. Deanna Peabody. Aye. Katie McHugh. Aye. David Blumberg. Aye. Christy Dowd. Aye. Quest Andreasen. Sorry, Class, we couldn't hear you. Aye. Thanks. And Jackie Furtado. Aye. Thank you. Minutes will be. Uh, considered for approval at the our August meeting. Thank you, David. Next item on the agenda 
is a public hearing uh, on the proposed marijuana ordinance. One moment. So a public hearing on the proposed amendment to chapter 94, zoning to allow for and regulate adult use marijuana establishments. Uh, I'm gonna read the public hearing notice now. The Medford Community Development Board shall conduct a public hearing on Thursday, July 16th, 2020 at 6 p.m. via Zoom remote video conferencing relative to a petition by the Medford City Council to amend chapter 94 zoning revised ordinance of the city of Medford to allow for and regulate adult use marijuana establishments in the city of Medford with an aim to minimize any adverse impacts that marijuana establishments may have on adjacent or nearby properties and to provide standards for the placement, design, siting, safety, security, modification, and discontinuance of such establishments subject to reasonable conditions that protect public health, safety, and welfare. The full text of the amendment may be viewed in the office of the city clerk room 103 or on the city's website at http uh, backslash backslash www.medfordma.org slash departments slash community dash development by clicking on current CD board filings. And again, the governor's order uh, suspending certain provisions of the open meeting law are in effect for this public hearing. So I'd like to call the public hearing to order and uh, ask acting community development or uh, community development office director, uh, Alicia Hunt to present the ordinance proposal. So good evening. Um, thank, welcome everybody. I'm not sure how much background this needs based on how much advertising this has had over the last many years. But I have a couple of slides that were actually put together for a department head meeting that just touches on the background of why, where this came from. And if you'll just indulge me for like three minutes to like just make sure that everybody understands why we are, um, why are we talking about this at all. Um, so first of all, just to be clear, anything that is a um, zoning, that is a zoning ordinance, must go to the Community Development Board for comment before the City Council. Um, I'm just not clear that the right screen is showing. Hold on, let me stop. And... All right, if somebody, I'm gonna just do that again, just cause I don't wanna accidentally show the wrong thing. So you should be seeing the, yes, now it's got the right thing highlighted in green. So as you know, I did not prepare this and this is, I'm not gonna go through the whole thing. I just wanted to give you a few little background pieces. Um, in 2008, marijuana was decriminalized in Massachusetts. 2012, medical marijuana was legalized. And in 2016, there was a vote to legalize, regulate, and tax marijuana for this is the recreational marijuana. Um, so the voters in Massachusetts approved it. Um, and the voters in Medford approved the. So this is actually key that the voters in Medford voted for it. 
the vote was 38,528. Um, basically, if your community voted for it in 2016, then your community must pass an ordinance as to how it will be allowed in your community. If you then wanted to not allow it, you would have to have another referendum in your community to not allow it. Um, so this ordinance that is before you tonight has been touched by many departments in Medford, including our prevention and outreach, our director of diversity inclusion, so the board of health, the police, so many people have been involved in this, um, including the zoning board of appeals liaison. But I do just want for all clarity, when this says that the director of community and um, development was involved, that was not actually me personally. So I was not involved in the development. So there's just so much that I can actually speak to in the big picture here. Um, and I just wanted to be clear about that in my other role of energy and environment, I was not involved in the development of this. Um, and so there's a general flow. The plan that is being put forward is to have, this is the plan that the city council has put together and they have decided that the zoning board of appeals um, would issue provisional special permits. Um, and then there's also a place where the host community agreement has to be negotiated with the city. I understand they've put together a representative board that would be the negotiators for the city. It is not the mayor by herself. It is three representatives of the city. Um, and I think those are the pieces. Some of these things here have also been changed since this presentation was put together, but those were the kind of the key facts that I just wanted to make sure everybody understood it wasn't the whim of somebody to do this. Um, so before you tonight is the marijuana ordinance as the Medford City Council has drafted it. Um, some of you, hopefully most all of you have read this and I think some of you are actually more familiar with marijuana ordinances than I am. Um, so I do not feel that it's a great idea of our time for me to walk you through this entire document. Um, let me know if you would like me to do that or if you would like to take this forward and have your discussion. Uh, let me open the, uh, the floor up to comments and questions from the, the board members. Kles. Alicia, can you say a little bit about what specifically we are being asked to comment on today? So anything that is zoning related goes to the Community Development Board for comment. So this is a zoning amendment in, in and of itself. Um, it's in uh, ordinance, it's an amendment to the Medford zoning. And so the Community Development Board is asked to comment on all of this, any and all of this by, by statute. Like that's actually the law that it's transferred to you. It is not coming to you because the 
because the city council has said, we want the community development board to weigh in on X. It is coming to you because they legally must refer it to you. So they have not actually stated if there's any portions or parts that they would like this board to weigh in on. Right, there has been a lot of conversation at the city council level on this, and uh, this is really coming to us for any additional uh, recommendations or comments that we might want to make to them. Uh, the city council is under uh, no requirement to listen to anything we say, and they can take action, but uh, generally uh, they do, you know, take the community development board's uh, comments very seriously into account. It's also an opportunity, obviously, for another opportunity for the public to uh, uh, to weigh in if they, they so choose. Well, I'll just say then that I, I didn't have any comments on um, what I read and that was provided. I second that. Um, I have no comments based on what I've read as is. Um, I don't know of any issues. I don't see any issues. And not that I would need someone to point them out for me, but without having heard from the public or any kind of opposition elsewhere, I, I have nothing to add. David, would you like to speak? Sure. I will just, before David speaks, I will just say that technically this is also a public hearing. So it is appropriate to open it up to public comment and then have additional discussion. But David, you, I believe you may have actually knowledge of this more than I do. Well, I, I really, I'm not a pro in this area. I really didn't know anything about it going into it anymore, at least than what the general public knows about the issue in the Commonwealth. Um, I did read uh, the proposed ordinance pretty closely and try to understand it. And I realized my brain probably works a little differently on these kinds of things because it's kind of what I do all day. And I had a lot of sort of things that I couldn't really reconcile in the drafting of it. I don't think that that's really the right thing to talk about at our meeting, in a public meeting. It's like not a good use of everyone's time. But I do feel like the city needs to be very careful about what it's doing and can't just put a rubber stamp on this, but really needs to think through how this thing is drafted, what the pieces are, how it works, the regulations, just little things like defined terms not being consistent through it. Um, and I'm, I'm happy to offer you know, help on the side if that's something that somebody wants. Um, I thought most relevant to our board is I found curious, I didn't see at least in the draft sort of the idea of where where would these different marijuana establishments land in our zoning? So, you know, what districts would you allow these things to operate? What are the hours they would be allowed to operate? That sort of detail I thought would be most relevant to, to us and the sorts of things that we talk about. I didn't see that in here. Um, So, I mean, I have a whole bunch of very specific questions, but I don't, I just don't feel like this is even ready for that discussion. I feel like these are questions that are best posed to whoever is actually drafting this. I guess the city, the city council, which would be voting on it, ultimately. Are you able to, to speak to that, Alicia? 
I'm actually going to ask our city solicitor some questions. And she also was not the, the lawyer that drafted this. It was drafted by our former city solicitor. Um, but um, I'm just going to ask her. Andre, I did, I did have a communication with KP Law um, mm -hmm. in the between meetings here. And I, I don't know how much I want, I should be sharing about that, but just, I was told that, you know, their involvement was focused, you know, they have a client, I guess it's the city. And so um, it seems like there would be some more drafting work that would need to be done on this thing before it's all squared away and ready to go. Um, I don't well, while we wait for um, the city solicitor to respond to Alicia, are there any other comments or, or questions from other board members? And if not, I can open up the, the hearing to public comment. Okay, seeing none, let me uh, open up the public hearing component. Uh, yes, Alicia. I was just going to say that I had been told that they had separated out from the zoning, some other regulations and all, but I actually haven't been um, privy to that at all. Could you say that one more time? Just so I... I had been told that they had separated out a zoning piece and then more of rules and regulations separately. Okay. Um, but I have not seen the other document that talks about rules and regulations. They were working on passing the zoning piece first. Um, so. Uh, Well, let me see if there's, uh, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on this matter? Annie, are you gonna handle that? So if members of the public want to speak, they should, um, go to the participants button and click the uh, raise hand function um, and then we can call on you. If you raise your hand to your camera, it might be hard for us to see you. And actually most people have their cameras off. We're feeling most people are here maybe for other issues. So Annie, we have one person at least wants to raise their hand, Cyan. Hi, sorry, I was getting unmuted. So this is this is public comments for the marijuana change, right? To allow recreational. Yes. Okay. I just want to say, first of all, I support this initiative. I think that Medford needs a tax revenue, and this is a good thing to do. Um, I also wanted to point out that the original Massachusetts ballot initiative was to tax and regulate marijuana alcohol. So I hope that marijuana that Medford will keep that in mind. And also my third comment was. I heard, I don't know the nature of the, the ordinance, but I heard something about adverse impacts, and I assume that re relates to traffic and stuff, but I hope it doesn't relate to undesirable persons, 
because I feel that that's a racialized kind of um, term because as you may know, marijuana prohibition has been race, racialized throughout history. And, and when it first started, it was a way to keep black people um, down and put them in prison. So I just hope that Medford City Council is keeping that in mind when they discuss adverse impacts, that it's not gonna be having people hanging around or something like that. So that's it. Thank you, Cyan. See uh, Jason Zub. You're unmuted, Jason. Hello? Go ahead, Jason. Yep, we can hear you. Thank you. I was just wondering who would be deciding the zoning if it's separated between what the rules are and what the zoning is. Who decides when, uh, where it goes? Uh, that's a good question, and I think that's what we're uh, looking for some guidance from the city on the administration. That was my only question. Thank you, Jason. But while we work on getting the answer to that question, which was also what David had raised, Blumberg, any other comments, raise your hand in the, the chat box or send an email or... Andre, I've unmuted uh, John Witten uh, from KP Law at uh, his request. Great, thank you. Yes, John. Mr. Chairman, can you can you hear me? Yes, I can. Yes, John. thank you, thank you, Mr. Chairman, and, and good evening, members of the board. Um, just a response to a, a couple comments so so far. The the way the draft appears to be written is there are no district divisions. Um, I think uh, Member Bloomberg had mentioned uh, where these proposed facilities could occur and take place. So the, the current draft of the ordinance does not provide that kind of uh, kind of segregation in terms of districts. And certainly the CD board could recommend that to the city council and the city council could revise the draft to include that. In terms of the approval of new adult use marijuana facilities, they would all be by special permit and they would all be governed by a what's called a community host agreement sometimes called the host community agreement, which would be a contract entered into between the applicant and the city council. And that becomes a governing document that really overarches what the special permit could allow. The special permit can include conditions on time of use, operation, parking, and so on, security and related matters. But the host agreement is more of a macro document it includes payments of fees. It includes requirements that the city council wants to impose. So it's really a belt and suspender approach. The zoning ordinance itself controls many things, but the host community agreement controls even more. So the, the two really are looked at together and they're very fact specific and very location specific. So in one instance, the council might want to impose conditions of, of hours of operation that are more restrictive, if it's closer to a residential neighborhood and or less restrictive, it's if it's, for example, predominantly commercial in, in use. So the ordinance sets out one track and then the host community agreement sets out another track and they're designed to work in tandem. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. All right, thank you, John. That, that helps clarify things. Um, 
So, David, your question, the getting back to it, though, uh, are you, would you like to make a recommendation uh, that the, the council uh, designate certain zones in the city for this? And I guess, John, maybe before you get uh, muted, I'm, I'm wondering whether, you know, this, it, this use needs to be incorporated into the zoning use table of, of the city seems like it would be. Um, so I'm not clear about why that wouldn't be. I don't know, is this a special permits allowed essentially anywhere? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question, Mr. Chairman. I, again, you know, we, we are all kind of coming to this fairly new because this was drafted by others. Uh, generally speaking, especially with adult use marijuana, there are districts where it is not allowed at all. And then there are those districts where the city wants to encourage the use or at least suggest an encouragement. So yeah, that would be done through the table of dimensional use uh, uh, provisions as well as in the text itself. And that could be a recommendation from the CD board to kind of uh, elaborate on those missing elements. Seems like something we would want to recommend. David, did you want to jump in on that further? Yeah, I, I, I don't want to say too much because I feel like I won't be able to stop myself, but there are, I think, seven different categories of marijuana establishments, and each one could call for some different considerations under zoning. So you have the retailers. Well, are retailers going to be, will they fit within the category of retail citywide without any sort of special notation or just a regular retailer? What's a cultivator? What's a, I mean, I, it, 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 there's a fair amount of work. I guess I feel like if if this visit to our board is really just perfunctory, it's something that has to happen along the way and the real work is going to happen later. I don't know if anyone would say that, but that's one thing. If it's something that they really want us to vote on and we can feel comfortable that in endorsing something, we've thought through it and we feel like it is a, something that can be implemented citywide, then I think we need to see something else. We need to see a revised, updated draft to do that. And Mr. Chairman, if, if I could, just to um, Board Member Blumberg's comment, I, I, I totally agree. And I've worked with a lot of communities on marijuana bylaws, and, and they almost always have the support and or the endorsement of the planning board, and in your case, the community development board. Uh, just because this is where, you know, it's the new frontier and we're all kind of learning. And I think, um, you know, I'm speaking as an outsider here, of course, but I, I think I, I would recommend to the city council and certainly to the mayor that the CD board's approval and support is important here. Uh, you're the planning board and this is a planning function. So um, with respect to the multitude of uses that are allowed, kind of whether it's cultivation or retail sales, for example, different communities have dealt with that differently. In some communities, only retail is allowed. In some communities, everything is allowed. So you do under the statutory scheme, you do get to pick and choose what the city of Medford believes is most appropriate for Medford. And it may be just retail, it may be cultivation and retail, maybe whatever you and the city council feel is appropriate. But you do have quite a bit of flexibility there. You're not stuck with you have to accept all or nothing. That, that's not the case. I, I did want to point out that I was just reading the 
um, specific requirements for marijuana retailers. And it does say marijuana retailers shall only be permitted in the C2 and industrial zoning districts as specified in the table of uses. Marijuana retailers shall not exceed 10,000 square feet in retail floor space. That's as specific as it gets for the marijuana retailers, but it doesn't get any more specific on the other types of right. facilities. Yeah, and, and you could, it, Mr. Chairman, if I, if I could? Yes, please. And, and the board, you know, I think both board members have commented on that. You, you certainly could have higher standards for some things and lower standards for others. So it's really a menu of options and it gets complex, but, but it's a good opportunity to plan for adult use marijuana if, if that's what the city wants. So as I look through the document, sort of, again, it's very 17 pages. It's very dense to um, get through. On page nine, it mentions that um, there's a setback that it shall not provide in kindergarten or any grade. Alicia, you're coming in and share? out. Can you repeat that, please? You're you're coming in and out on your sound a little bit. I apologize. The earbuds I had tested died. Um, so on page nine of the document, it says number four. Sorry, I can't tell if it's a subsection um, that a marijuana establishment shall not be located within 500 feet of a pre-existing public or private school providing education in kindergarten or talks about how that should be measured. Um, and then it just, number five is that marijuana establishments shall be conducted at a fixed location. Um, overall, my impression is that this gives a huge amount of power to the host community agreement um, to be, to establish almost everything about what would be allowed and not allowed. That I had expected earlier drafts of this included specific zoning locations, like things in our table of zoning, but those seem to no longer be part of this draft. All right, well, we don't necessarily know why that's been taken out, but again, since our, our role is as an advisory role, I think we can decide as a board uh, what recommendations we might wanna make and then move this along. So, so far, I think I've heard uh, a desire to see um, specifically which uh, marijuana establishments can be allowed in which uses and how it will be incorporated into the, the, the zoning use table of the city. And also David uh, had some, I think, comments about uh, some drafting suggestions. And I would say that, uh, those suggestions could be sent along under separate cover uh, to the city council. Uh, are there other other things we might want to uh, to incorporate as a recommendation? Andre, the only other thing that I might add is I always like to see um, what some of our neighboring communities are doing. 
on, on this and, and how we're either differing or following course. Um, I can't speak to that issue. I don't know if anybody from the city uh, can, or if John, you have any familiarity with that, John Witten. I, I do, Mr. Chairman, and, I, and I'd be happy to provide Alicia uh, some examples of nearby cities. Somerville has a good is a good example. Some other smaller cities as well on the south coast, uh, and even some you know apples and oranges uh, smaller towns have some really good bylaws out there. Of course, you know it's it, it, it's apples and oranges, but yeah, I'd be happy to provide the board with with some examples. There, there is no fixed um, model. You, you really want to kind of tailor it to what Medford wants. And uh, I think Alicia, what Alicia was saying earlier, I, I very much agree with, which is the host community agreement is very important. But I, if I could, Mr. Chairman, just add, that's a political yeah. contract. You know, it's a contract entered into with the city council. So it's not necessarily a land use protective device. And that's why I use the phrase belt and suspenders. You really want both. You want the city council to do their thing, and then you want the regulatory boards to do their thing. So the, the two go hand in hand, but one does not replace the other. And uh, one can be more protective than the other, for example. So John, can you answer one question for me? Because I've seen several versions of this and I've sat in on a few of the more recent discussions. And I thought that the Alicia, you froze. Who were the people who, what was the, sorry, I thought this ordinance laid out who the committee was that was going to negotiate that host community agreement um, because that was being debated at one of the um, committee of the whole meetings, but I no longer see that section in here. I don't know if anybody, because it was several department heads who were going to be the body that negotiates that yeah alicia i that i don't know I, I i wouldn't i wouldn't have that information i can certainly try to find out if anybody at, you know in-house knows but i think that was that preceded us um by statute it has to be the chief elected officials now they can delegate it to a committee and alicia that might be what what you're what you're recalling that's perfectly fine but it has to be executed by the mayor and or the council at the end of the day. Thank you. So would the board members be, be comfortable making a, a recommendation to the city council to include information uh, about where the different uses are gonna go in the, the Medford uh, zoning land use table uh, and also under separate cover uh, to receive some uh, drafting suggestions from David Blumberg. Is there, uh, Andre, is, um, and maybe this is unprecedented in the way municipalities operate, but um, the Zoning uh, Board of Appeals, of course, is set up here as the special permit granting authority. Is is it appropriate for us to collaborate with the ZBA in some way in providing comments? So, Mr. Mr. Chairman. Um, yes, John. Another excellent question. Uh, the, the, 
the statute allows three special permit granting authorities, the city council, uh, the planning board, community development board, or the ZBA. So it's not a preordained uh, decision that it be the ZBA. It, that becomes really a political decision also, you know, as to who is going to be issuing special permits. But, but I'll tell you, just to add a level of complexity, uh, which might, might work in Medford, uh, the ZBA could be the special permit granting authority for some things, let's say cultivation for argument's sake. And the CD board could be the special permit granting authority for retail, just for argument's sake. There, there could be a mix and match. And so there is no, there is no um, definitive right answer. It, it really depends. Workload, planning issues, whatever, whatever you believe and the city council believes is appropriate. And John, I think what David might have been suggesting is, is there a precedent for a collaborative process with the CB, ZBA and the planning board? To draft the ordinance, me? Uh, to share comments on it was what I had in mind. Sure, absolutely. And and David, if you were referring to once the special permit has applied, been applied for, uh, 48 section nine, which is the special permit provision, does require referral to all relevant city boards and commissions. So that's already included in the statute. So if the ZBA is the special permit granting authority, they are supposed to send to you the CD board, the application for your comments uh, and for every other special permit and vice versa. If you're issuing a special permit, you're required under 48 section nine to send that application to other relevant city boards for their comments. I'm not sure that's uh, current practice. So I think we would may wanna make a specific recommendation to that effect. If we wanna make sure the ZBA um, sends a special permit application to us for comments. Can we turn this into a motion? Um, but just before that, I do have one public comment to read that the city received Great. by email. Great, thank you. Um, yeah, so Leonard Hanley of 102 Park Street sent an email saying, I am strongly in opposition to this marijuana zoning ordinance. That's all. Thank you. Um, and as I'll just give you one additional piece of information. I apologize that I some things are trickling into me. Um, so there, the city council is planning to do a separate ordinance regarding a cannabis advisory commission, um, and that that is going to be done separately from this ordinance. Um, I believe that that is who is going to negotiate the HCA. That I heard. HCA's host community agreement. Um, so just to respond to the, the gentleman's comment that was read uh, by the city staff, uh, as Alicia Hunt mentioned at the beginning, uh, this we do not have the authority to, um, to not uh, create one. First of all, the, the community development board only has an advisory role uh, to send for some recommendations to the city council. And even the city council itself cannot um, prohibit marijuana establishments in the city because of the public vote that was held. So I just wanna be clear uh, on that for, for everyone. Uh, is, I would entertain a, a motion now from the board uh, 
on the items that we've discussed. And maybe David, can I ask you to take a stab at it? I can try, sure. I think our, our motion is to um, recommend um, to the city council that more specificity is added in this ordinance as to um, uh, locations, uh, table of use, uh, zoning details into the ordinance itself. And that this board would separately provide comments for the city council's consideration in connection with the draft ordinance presented to us tonight. For those of us who are not lawyers, could you just clarify that by drafting, you're talking about copy editing? I mean, anything that's substantive changes ought to be heard by the board, considered by the board. But I think from a, an email exchange I saw earlier that what you're thinking of is sort of more in line with details, lining up the language, um, making sure that there's no conflicting language in the document. Uh, that's that's that that's my intent is not to change the substance that really should be for the city council. Um, may, maybe these separate comments should be shared among the board and it's something that we should consider next month or something so that people can see what we're talking about. But um, if that's I do know that the, the city council is meeting on July 28th and they are hoping to take this matter up. So um, I'd like to at least give them some, uh, give them our recommendations now, and maybe within the next within the next week, uh, David provide them with any kind of cleanup suggestions about the drafting that you might have. Is that is that possible? I I can Andre I can I can do that sure. Okay, so we have a motion on the table from David to. Uh, to the city council to incorporate uh, more details about where the different marijuana establishments would go uh, in terms of the, the land use table and the zones of the city. Uh, and there was also, and David, I don't, I don't want to put words in your mouth. I don't think you actually said this part of it, but we had talked about the um, asking the, the, the ZBA to send its special permit applications to the to the community development board. Is that something you wanted to include? Um, I'm okay with or, or without that. Okay, um, so we'll leave that out because that wasn't part of your original motion, right. and that you would send the um, your kind of cleanup drafting suggestions to the city council within a week. Correct, or to, I, I don't know who the addressee should be on that, but yes, I'll put something together. Okay, thank you. Is there a second to that motion? I second the motion, Andre. This is Jackie Furtado. Thank you, Jackie. All right, we'll have a roll call vote now. Deanna Peabody? Aye. Katie McHugh? Aye. David Blumberg? Aye. Christy Dowd? Hi. Les Andreessen. I'm sorry, we couldn't hear you, Class. Hi. 
Thank you. Uh, Jackie Furtado. Aye. Thank you. Did I miss any board members? Okay, by a unanimous vote, uh, the motion passes. Thank you, everyone. All right, the next part of the agenda is a public hearing uh, on a definitive subdivision plan and special permit for site plan review uh, from Winthrop Estates, 541 and 551 Winthrop Street. I will now read the public hearing notice. The Medford Community Development Board shall conduct a combined public hearing on Thursday, July 16th, 2020 at 6.30 p.m. via Zoom remote uh, video conferencing relative to a revised definitive subdivision plan and special permit for site plan review application submitted by Waypoint Development. The project includes the creation of a roadway and 10 lot subdivision as shown on plans entitled Winthrop Estate Subdivision 541 and 551 Winthrop Street, Medford, Massachusetts, prepared by Design Consultants, Inc., dated February 8th, 2019, and revised June 24th, 2019, September 5th, 2019, and March 20th, 2020. An earlier version of this application was denied by the Medford Community Development Board at a hearing on September 11th, 2019, but upon appeal has been remanded to the Community Development Board in light of additional information submitted by the applicant. Plans may be viewed in the Office of the City Clerk, Room 103, the Office of Community Development, Room 308, or on the City's website at www.medfordma.org slash departments slash community hyphen development by clicking on Current CD Board Filings. Uh, as mentioned earlier, Governor Baker's order spending certain provisions of the open meeting law uh, is in effect for this public hearing. So I, I open the public hearing now and I will, the, the order that we'll do this is that I'll invite the uh, Annie Streetman, our, our planner to give, give us, uh, bring us all up to speed on what's happened because we have some new members uh, of the board and uh, also for the public. And then I will invite the applicant to present uh, their proposal. Again, since we have new board members, it will be helpful for them to uh, explain uh, what the project is. Uh, then there'll be some discussion uh, by the board, questions by the board, and we'll open it up to members of the public. So Annie, could I uh, ask you to bring us up to speed? Sounds good, thank you, Andre. Um, I just wanted to reiterate because, again, we do have three new board members, um, so I think it will be helpful for the applicant to uh, present and sort of give a summary of this as well, but I just wanted to give the high-level overview. Um, a lot of it Andre just mentioned, but I'll highlight that the petitioner is seeking both um, an approval of a definitive subdivision plan and a special permit for site plan review, um, and both of those are for the 10 lots subdivision at 541 and 551 Winthrop Street. The original hearing was opened on May 15th, 2019, and was continued to September 11th, 2019, at the request of the applicant, uh, so that he could respond to questions by several department heads in their review of the project. At the September hearing, the board found that information necessary to ensure the access for public safety vehicles and the provision of proper utilities to ensure adequate water for domestic and firefighting purposes, sewage and storm drainage was deficient, and thus the definitive subdivision plan was denied. The board also found that the site plan review application did not meet site plan review standards relative to imposing undue burden on sewers, sanitary, storm drains, water distribution systems, or similar public facilities 
that could have been avoided by modification to the plans and the special permit for site plan review was denied. This decision was appealed by the applicant and the proponent was re and the project was remanded back to the community development board to hold a new public hearing in light of additional information submitted for consideration by the board. And so revised materials were submitted to the board in June. Um, city departments reviewed and made some comments on that. And as a few materials were submitted today as well, um, given that many of you may not have had a chance to review that and same with the city staff as well, I think um, I would ask that the uh, proponent to go over those items, what has been done since the uh, September hearing, what uh, was submitted as additional information today, and kind of discuss uh, where that stands in that regard. Thank you, Annie. Uh, could I ask the applicant now to, uh, to present the proposal? And Annie, who do we have I, here? I, yeah, the, I'll find you. So um, Ed Champy and JJ Richa. Here we go, unmute. Ed, you are unmuted. Great, thank you. So Ed, if you could uh, just also just present your team, if there's anybody else who's gonna speak, that'd be great. Okay, terrific. So my name is Ed Champion with Waypoint Development. Uh, we're the owners of the project at, on, at 541, 550, uh, 5 Winthrop Street. Well, it actually runs to 5, 541 to 551 in um, Winthrop Street. Um, also along the call with me is JJ uh, Laricia. He's a project engineer with Waypoint. Um, Wayne at, of DCI is on the line. Frank Leathers from GEI is on, should be on the call as well along with uh, Michael Radner, um, Michael Radner being the landscape architect, Frank Leathers, GEI being the geotech engineer, uh, civil engineering is Wayne at DCI, um, and, and again, myself, Ed Champy, one of the principals at Waypoint Development, and JJ Laricia, one of our project engineers. Um, so I'd like to start by saying thank you for, for having us tonight, Mr. Chairman, members of the board. Um, on our last hearing on September 11th, um, as Annie just mentioned, um, we were, the project was denied and it, and it was based on, on a couple of items. Um, and and I'll, so my comments will be including but not limited to the items and, and I think it'll be appropriate for um, Mr. Tim McGivern uh, from the engineering department to, to go into more detail. So I'll focus on the things that, that rather than go through the entire list, knowing that he'll probably go through his comments, I'll focus on the items that, that we believed um, and that after going to the land court, that was stated as being the most pertinent, and um, where we're we're open to discussion on all of the other on other items as well. Um, first and foremost was the drainage testing, and and what I'm going to do is I'm going to explain what I think the the biggest concerns were, and then we'll talk about what what the project is. and And I, my gut would be that that everybody has an inkling of what the project is, and and we can describe it in, in further detail. and And um, it maybe perhaps we can ask that that um, the plans we put up on the screen, Annie, if you have that accessible. Um, we don't need them right this now, but I just think it'll be beneficial and when we're trying to describe what, what the project actually is. Yeah, um, I can um, share permission for that with a member of your team if they would like to do that. Terrific, terrific, thank you. Um, so for now, um, the, the, one of the major issues was the drainage. I mean, as the site is, is heavily concentrated with ledge and the concern was that our original testing was 125 feet away from where the stormwater infiltration system will be going. Um, so with multiple iterations, we came up with a, a testing plan that was that was um, 
um, that was not only our team as well as uh, Mr. McGiven at the City of Method of Engineering uh, agreed that it would be appropriate and it would be a proper way to test the site. So um, through multiple, um, we, we had mentioned and we had sent out multiple times to the neighbors and the abutters because this required drilling and blasting. Uh, we did drill and blast the area, prep the area, and we completed the test on April 17th of 2020. Uh, Mr. Gibbon was, was on site that day and witnessed the tests and the supporting data was sent to him after that. Um, so, so that was our primary goal on the uh, definitive subdivision plan was you know, testing that, um, also getting the high water table, um, and then coming up with a plan and a design that adhered, that, that used all that data and came up with a reasonable solution for the project and we've done that. Um, in addition to that, um, which is part of the site plan review um, or, or the denial for the site plan review would be that the project you know, it was it was proposed that it that it was determined to create an undue burden, and the special permit for the site plan review was denied. So through the process, we had tested the the water flow from the hydrants, and um, the the water flow was sufficient. Um, at that point, we were requested by the city of Medford um, Water Department to actually calibrate the the uh, the gauges, um, which was U, which was um, UTS Underground Testing Services performed the testing calibrate the gauges and then uh, test again. On the second test, um, David Proctor from the water department was on site, he witnessed the test. And again, we, we, we found the flow rate to be appropriate. And, um, and I think Tim will talk to that a bit as well. So we, we believe that that, um, that solved the concern with regard to the, the flow rate. There will likely be a test um, which will involve the hydrant, which we are gonna install, um, should we get approved, um, at the top of Winthrop Street Estates, which which will be likely named other than Winthrop Street Estates, but for today's discussion, that's what it is. Um, and again, proving that the um, or showing that there's sufficient water pressure um, to to for pretty much for the fire prevention. the The flow rate is is primarily governed by the the requirements for fire prevention. It is it is not governed by domestic water use. There's a significant difference between the two. Um, an example, and, and again, uh, Tim can comment on these facts um, or, or opinions as you'd like. Um, at a 500 gallon per minute flow rate, um, th this, the stats say that you can fight two host fires at the same time. Um, our testing shows that we're gonna have a thousand gallons a minute. And so think of a thousand gallons a minute out of a, out of a fire main or water main rather and the general water requirement per person in a house is about 94 gallons a day. So um, clearly the domestic water use is not governing um, the, the requirement for the water main, it's, it's governed by the fire prevention. Um, so JJ, do you have um, the site plan itself, um, the plan view that you can put on the screen or that you can ask Annie to let you share the screen? Andy, can you see JJ on? Let's see. I'm here. JJ, you are yeah, now a co-host. I'm okay. here. Yeah. JJ, can you? And you should be able to share now, JJ. What we're going to show is is the site itself. Uh, it's, the site is 350 feet wide. Um, 
and another, you know, it's, it's not, it's not a rectangle, but give or take it's 300 feet deep, um, hundred and some odd thousand square feet of, of land. Um, and this process, this process has been going on for quite some time. I'm not sure how many of the board members know. I think we bought this land in 2014. Um, we had an original plan, which was 11 house lots. And we had three additional houses on Winthrop Street under agreement, and we were gonna. The road was gonna was gonna enter down by where the Fellsway um, posts with the with the chain are. It was gonna enter there, and it was gonna run up around the backside. Um, we spent about a year and a half planning it. The road grade was at eight percent. Um, the requirement in methods at seven, and we were denied. Um, at that time, we the next. We, we, we thought we'd try and just go for seven house lots facing the front of Winthrop Street with the right of way that's running across the site. Uh, that was that was going to be a challenge. So we permitted four house lots to start working and we met with the planning director at the time. And um, we were told that we weren't going to get the additional three and we stopped work and started replanning again. Um, and that's what brings us to the plan that we have now, which is 10 house lots coming straight in off Winthrop Street. Um, there are a couple of things that, that the, the project's doing uh, while we're waiting for the screen to come up. Um, we've, we've added a few items that, that we think are, are beneficial to the, to the neighbors and the community. Uh, one of which is, um, is we, we, there was a water line for 555 Winthrop Street, which was running across the property. Um, we, we actually recently connected a new water line for them and ran it up the right away so that it would no longer be an encroachment, um, which, which essentially gave them a new water line. We're also for 553 and 555 Winthrop Street, we are extending the right of way. Um, we still need to do the paperwork on that, but we've offered to extend the right of way so that the right of way would no longer enter off of an incredibly steep slope off of Winthrop Street. And it'll actually run into our, our new road, um, you know, adjacent to lot one. Um, and doing that, we're also planning on paving that road so that there'll be a new surface on it. it probably hasn't been paved since it was originally originally built. Um, additionally, we, and we, we did this a couple of years ago and we're, and we're gonna do it again, um, assu assuming that things, that things are moving forward, um, which is we, we installed um, barriers on the, on the opposite side of the street so that Lorraine Road would have a, a soft shoulder to walk on that was protected from traffic. Um, we did that with the expectation, or, or at least we were, we were told that the DPW was going to pave that area. So, that was, but it didn't get paved, and and it ended up um, most of the um, most of the people walking around the barrier on Winthrop Street instead of walking on the soft shoulder. So, our goal now is to put up the barriers again, and only this time either add crushed stone on the far side so that the walking traffic would be dry and and out of the soft shoulder. Or if it would be allowed by the city, we're, we're amicable to, to to putting a temporary asphalt sidewalk walkway in there. Um, on the other side of Lorraine Road, which is we we are planning with over towards where the bus stop is, we're planning on putting a cement sidewalk around the corner with a handicap ramp and a and a, um, a crosswalk which leads across uh, Winthrop Street and and onto. Um, across from Lorraine Road to Winthrop Street. You can see it in the, in the bottom left-hand section of the plan. If you go down to the bottom, you can see where the crosswalks comes across. Um, 
so so JJ, could you please roll your cursor across where the uh, right away is now going to is dead ending into Winthrop Street? Okay, so you can see where the cursor is right now. That's where the traffic or there's there's two houses um, going to 553 and 555 Winthrop Street will enter there, and it will run up that right away, and which which goes up across the back side of the property. Um, if we zoom out a little, JJ. Um, the project itself right now has a significant elevation. So, uh, other than the area that's already been drilled and blasted, we will be we'll be, we'll be blasting the site, um, getting the elevation down. The, the, the main reason for it is this, is to reach the seven percent grade that Medford has for a standard in its rules and regulations for subdivision. Um, so, with that, uh, that's that's a large reason for the cut, um, and 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 that's why the road is where it is and and, and designed the way it is. Um, there's with, within that there's a substantial um, area which which is which we are stabilizing the blasted ledge afterwards with a with a dowel system and it'll be essentially faced with with shotcrete and along with some one-to-one -one, um, graded areas for for um, for plantings and whatnot um, so if you can JJ could you please roll the cursor from the left side of the site yeah, from the from the edge of lot three. That's where the wall starts, and then JJ run it around the site and show, and I'll and stop it. I'll, I'll stop you when it stops. And the wall runs around and it stops on the far side. That has been um, engineered carefully. Um, it's gone through the process both with um, Mr. McGivern as well as uh, Frank Leathers from GEI with the wall itself, how it drains. There's a maintenance plan for it. The requirement for the maintenance on that wall is the homeowners association, um, and there's also a plateau at the top where it it flattens off or, or has a slight incline before it reaches a fence. And that fence, the fenced area, is also um, maintained by the HOA. Uh, when you get past that wall, is where you get to on the far right, Judge. If you move down a bit, that's a one-to-one -one slope where it's a vegetated area. And when you go further down towards Winthrop Street, it becomes more of a two-to-one slope. When you get down towards Winthrop Street, you'll notice that rectangle that's there with multiple chambers in it. That is the stormwater infiltration system. So as, as it sits now, it's designed for the capacity of the road as well. And I think it's for a 100-year storm plus. Um, and it also is, is, is set up in the HOA for the maintenance. Um, Mr. McGiven and I have discussed this at length. And, and um, the goal being that the maintenance of the walls the, the, and the fencing and the stormwater infiltration system does not reside within the requirements for Medford, but the city of Medford, it requires for the homeowners association. That's being, that the homeowners association is, is set up. We have a draft of it and um, all the, um, the operational maintenance that goes along with these items that I'm discussing um, are in there. Um, if you go to the far left-hand side, JJ, and we, if we start walking up the right-of-way a little bit, there's so there's not only a fence, but there's a guardrail, um, and that is to make sure that that right-of-way is protected um, and and traffic is protected that, that's that's running up there. So that that is also part of the the HOA association as far as the maintenance on the guardrail and the fence. Um, the smallest lot is around seven thousand five hundred square feet. And the largest lot is just over 10,000 square feet. The city of Medford requirement is 
is, I believe it's 7,000 or 7,500 square feet. So none of the lots are, are requesting any relief. The road is not requesting any relief. And um, from, from what we gathered over the past six years, uh, the project itself is not, is not requiring zoning relief. Um, with that said, um, I'll, I'll leave it to questions. And, and Mr. McGivern's comments were, were, were lengthy, but we did discuss them. Uh, myself and Mr. McGiven, and we and we've sent him back um, today the the discussion that we had in writing, um, and with it we submitted documents and concerns that would help um, just paper some of the discussions. So it was a discussion that we had a couple of days ago, and then the, the information was sent today. Um, we've sent information on the right of way and the easements. Um, it's a it's a fairly complicated right of way where 553 and 555 Winthrop Street have a right of way to get in and a right of way to get out. Essentially, the two, land, the two um, housing lots are landlocked. Um, so again, with that, I'll, I'm, I'm open to answering questions or open discussion. We okay, also have some renderings if you want to see, some, if you're not used to reading plans and it might make more sense to see that. Yeah, I, I think if you could throw the renderings up, that would be great. Um, these Did are not new ideas? renderings though, are they? Are these the ones from like 18 months ago? Correct. Okay, but it would be good to see them. Sure, yeah, the, the project hasn't changed. Underground has, testing has changed, but the project hasn't. Okay, well, that's happening. I just want to remind everybody that members of the public can submit comments uh, via email to ocd at medford-ma.gov. That's OCD, Office of Common, uh, the Office of Community Development, OCD at medford-ma.gov. Or you can also weigh in via phone to 781-393. 2480 781-393-2480. Thank you. City staff is monitoring both of those methods of weighing in. Mr. Chairman, may I? Yes. Okay. Um, what we're looking at now is a is a is a mock of view. It is drawn to scale. Um, and it's showing what the view will look like. Um, this is between the gas station and Lorraine Road, if you were looking across the street. Uh, JJ, can you go to the ghost view next, please? So what we did here was we had um, we had a mock-up done where you can see where the where the the wall surfaces are going to be that are behind the houses. So you can see in some cases there's greenscape, and and there's a a one-to-one um, -one and a two-to-one slope. And then as you go further up into the into the cul-de-sac, you can see that it starts becoming. Um, the uh, gypcrete, or, or in this case, it's going to be shotcrete, will will be will be again. It, it's behind the houses, but it, it but it does exist, and there is some there are some plans with and Mr. Radner's on the on the call here. If we want to discuss landscaping and how this is all going to play out, um, JJ, could you go to um, just any any of the views, and I'll discuss them as we go through. Okay, this is this this view is is heading west. 
Um, so it's probably more from from where the from where the uh, gas station is, and you can see the um, the the right away, which is ramp, which is extended, which then becomes part of the entrance to Winthrop Street Estates. Um, JJ, next slide, please. And one more. We already discussed this one. Okay, um, the crosswalk is 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 shown here, which which runs from the corner of Lorraine Road over to the corner of Winthrop Street Estates, where the ADA compliant ramps will be installed. Um, that's something I discussed earlier. So this is the the idea behind the project is that the houses will you know front door garage facing the street, um, you know two you know three story three and a half story. I think the zoning requirements are within thirty five feet of the meaning of the roof. Um, of course, we we plan on adhering to all those requirements. I'm open for questions. Could you just go back to the 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 mock up that's the straight on uh, into the Subdivision, yeah, that one. Thank you. And can you, uh, given the fact that there's this the wall uh, behind a number of the the homes, can you just go over what you're doing in terms of safety of fencing behind in yes. that area? Yes. So at the top of the wall around the perimeter of the site, there is a six foot fence that's running around the entire perimeter of the site. And once you and on both sides of the set of the of the fence, there is a um, there's a slightly sloped area. So two things are happening there. One is none of the water from our property is is um, is is flowing to the adjacent properties. And at the same time, um, once you're, you know, if you were to be on either side of the fence, you wouldn't be at risk of of falling down the embankment. Uh, what is kind of fence is it going? Are you planning there? Uh, my expectation would be, especially around the back side of the property, that it would be a, a black chain link. Okay, let me open up uh, for comments and questions by board members before we get to members of the public. Any board members want to speak up or should we go to the public? This is Class. Okay, thanks Class. Um, uh, is um, Tim McGivern gonna speak tonight? Oh yeah, thank you actually for reminding me. Let me, uh, let's throw it to Tim before we do that. Tim, uh, so I know the, you know, the big issues that were in front of the uh, the court were the the drainage issues we had asked them for some uh, more information uh, and to address concerns that we had uh, you've gotten some additional information had some more uh, conversations with the the developer uh, what's what's your take on things right now they've uh, actually sin since the remand they've come quite far even since the review letter from uh, July 9th They've come quite far, submitted quite uh, an amount of additional information. Um, right before this meeting, I actually finished going through it all. Uh, so I'm, you know, they've addressed many of the concerns. I think I'm at the point where just sorting through what conditions come out of my comments uh, for, for an approval. So um, 
you know, the, 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 the big issue just, you know, to give my summary was the definitive plan was submitted without empirical data to demonstrate that the stormwater could be infiltrated into the, the ledge beneath the project. Uh, so, and not only that, but their drainage design hinges on that. It's a critical piece of their design. So um, I recommended denial based off of uh, the lack of that information uh, as well, you know, is, is the, the completion of the rest of the information as well. Um, the, it, the, the testing was done to appropriate standards, ASTM methods, uh, you know, from what I could tell, everything was done properly. Uh, and the, the capacity of that ledge is uh, very, very high as far as stormwater goes and infiltrated stormwater. Uh, so uh, they satisfied that, um, that concern that I had. Um, then as far as most of the other things uh, were information that needed to come in. Uh, Mr. The, the other sort of utility issue um, that still needs a little bit of work, but I think, I think we're close, um, is the fire flows. And it's just the subdivision control law, you know, basically says that the, 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 the project needs to create a way that has proper infrastructure in it to service the, the whatever, the homes and the buildings in, in the, in the um, development. So they have an eight inch cement line, duct line pipe that, that will provide water to the development, the water supply. Uh, the proposal is the line in Winthrop Street. Um, that line in Winthrop Street is old. Uh, it does have issues with um, capacity and, and uh, water quality. Uh, so, you know, we did talk about that quite at length uh, as far as what is the project uh, responsibility, what is the city responsibility uh, there. Um, and, uh, you know, one of the project responsibilities is, is obviously uh, meeting fire code. So uh, as Mr. Champy described, the, um, uh, the, 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 the model that they provided for the flow shows, uh, you know, somewhere in between 980 to 1,020 gallons per minute at 20 PSI, which is the standard. Uh, so, you know, in the last just uh, 48 hours, um, one of the things that just remains as a concern for me is making sure that the code requirement for a building up on this development meets the uh, actual flow rate coming out of the pipe. And that that's something you can't really demonstrate until the, the pipe is actually in the ground and the hydrant is installed. Um, their model shows that it will meet that thousand gallons per minute benchmark. Uh, and then, the, then it becomes a question for the fire prevention team here in Medford as to what code number they're, they're using. Um, I know that the, the, there was discussion about having the, the building sprinkled. That reduces that fire flow code requirement. Um, so, you know, that, that's still out there. But as far as the, the capacity of the system that they're, that they're proposing, that is sufficient. The eight-inch line for the, the, the way is uh is sufficient and what they're using for materials is sufficient um so you know uh, so the, there has to be some sort of discussion about uh what's the condition if if you know if they don't meet code if for whatever reason that the fire prevention officer wants to see a higher number or whatever that's it is their purview um there are there are things that can be done for the project to sort of uh remedy that uh like i said you know, 1,000 gallons per minute is one one benchmark that folks talk about. 500 is another. 
calculating fire flow and requirements is it's its own science. There's a, the NFPA publishes a book on it um, and, and how to do it. So there's dozens of ways to calculate required fire flow. It's what does the fire prevention officer want to see? Um, and then can the project meet that? So uh, it's a concern on the table, but I don't think it's, a sh it's definitely not a showstopper. Um, you know, what the project is providing, um, you know, will is, is appropriate for the size of the development, basically an eight inch ductile iron pipe bringing water to the site. Um, so there's that. Uh, and then there's, you know, there's, there's a couple of things that are conditions. I, I counted about 13 conditions that I would recommend for this project to the board. Uh, and then there was a couple of board opinions that I'm looking to have discussed by the board, uh, three of those. Uh, and then there's, uh, I was aware of one waiver, but it looks like there might be a couple more waivers. Um, and then I'm also requiring plan revisions. So there's about 10 or, 10 or 11 plan revisions that, um, you know, should need to be on a new set of plans. Um, and then there's, a, there's one, there's a provision and this is a regular, the subdivision regs and, um, it's a process protocol issue, uh, as far as the, the board of water and sewer commission, uh, would need to vote an approval on this project as well. Uh, so, and my understanding of that, if reading the regs would be, um, you know, once I approve the plan or, you know, recommend approval uh, with conditions in this case, then it would go to Board of Water and Sewer Commissions. Uh, they would need to vote on it. And from my understanding of the regs, I think that has to happen actually before the planning board uh, can um, vote on approval um, or approve the documents. So, but I am, you know, I, I feel much better about this project than I did on September 11th, 2019. Uh, I think that uh, they've come a long way. and. Um, at this point, it's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm headed towards the direction of approval with, uh, recommending approval with conditions. Uh, and so, and I'm in that process now with all this new information compiling those conditions. So it, I've gone through everything they submitted today. Uh, it does, it, you know, addresses the, the vast majority of things. I probably have some clarifying questions here and there, uh, but uh, they, they've come quite a long way in, in the last uh, few days for sure. Okay, and Tim, you said that there were a few things that you wanted board input on in particular. Uh, you want to mention those right now? Yes, I will. Yep. Um, let me just uh, give me one second. Uh, board opinion on uh, the right of way layout adjacent to lot one. Uh, it is my belief that it is an improvement uh, over the current conditions. Uh, however, as Mr. Champy mentioned, there are two grantees associated with that easement, and so they have to sort of be involved in that conversation. Um, so uh, also those talk about improvements to that right of way. I know in various letters, um, Mr. Champy mentioned, uh, you know, paving it. Uh, that'd probably be a good, a good discussion point, probably for a condition. Um, you know, I, there was talk about widening it too, uh, but again, that goes back to the grantees and the fact that it's a 12 foot granted easement. Um, to widen that would, is, is, would have to be some sort of discussion with the grantees. Um, I'm not even sure if they would want that. Uh, uh, and I think that comment may have come from the fire department. Um, so there, and that's access to those buildings behind. So, uh, you know, that's, that's it. fire access to those buildings. So that might need to be fleshed out a little bit. Um, but again, not, not a showstopper. It's something that could be conditioned if, if, uh, that's, that's pushed, uh, board opinion. the next one would be uh, comment five B board opinion on walking path connection to the high school. I didn't have a strong, uh, opinion on this. I know that walk Medford did. I think it's a good idea. Uh, and the, the gist of it is that if a family moves in here and a child is going to the high school, they have to walk all the way around 
and then up the high school hill whereas this pro this project abuts the high school site so um, chances are kids are going to be walking up the hill and through the woods anyway to get to school uh, so is there an opportunity to sort of uh, flesh out a, a path of some sort uh, up up to the, the high school um, so that was a board opinion that should be discussed again I it's not an engineering thing that's something that the, the board should discuss um, the next one one second here there's a small retaining wall, uh, and this is probably more of a site plan type issue. Uh, there's a small retaining wall along Winthrop Street, um, and Ed can correct me. I think it's probably about four or five feet. It's not huge, and that wall. And they did submit uh, a rendering. Uh, that wall has a face that um, is right up against Winthrop Street right of way. So it's something that if you're walking by, driving by, it's something that you see and is going to be in the public view. Uh, my Concern and the reason I brought it up is because you know the, the board probably doesn't want that to be some sort of a large you know heavy block wall that looks ugly. Probably wants to be something that that looks pretty nice. It's got a nice facade on it, uh, and that the community will um, uh, enjoy. Uh, and I believe that was it. Those were the the the, the opinions that uh, could be discussed by uh, your body. Okay. Thank you, Tim. You're welcome. Uh, Kles, do you uh, did you want to jump in, having heard all that? Um, I think I think it's good to hear from Tim, and good to hear that um, they've come a long way on this. Um, I'm I guess I'm just sort of wondering. Um, sounds like Tim, you're in the process of putting together a recommendation. Um, with some conditions um i i don't know exactly um what we're being asked to contemplate today but i think generally um it, it sounds like this project's on the right path finally and um but uh, generally i think i i would want to wait till um to make any kind of decision until uh, tim is satisfied Right. I, I think that given the fact that there was a lot of information that arrived just this afternoon, um, up, you know, updating and providing data that Tim had been looking for, I don't think there's going to be the opportunity for us to make a, you know, a definitive uh, decision today. But I think this is a public hearing. Uh, we should identify uh, key issues that we should be, uh, we should flag and, um, and also, you know, hear from members of the public about what what they're they're thinking about the project. Two things that I would add to what Tim has talked about is I, I'd like to hear more about the, the landscaping plan, uh, I, and I'd like to uh, to also hear more about the the blasting plan and mitigation of that. I um I did see a comment somewhere in um, the submission about, uh, and I know there's some work going on on with the. Street right now that the, potentially the, the plans that we were seeing weren't necessarily in line with what was being built right now. Um, I don't know exactly how different that may or may not be. Um, and there was, um, and Tim mentioned this, there was a comment by the, the fire chief that he liked the right of way to be a little bit wider. Um, I guess I would be interested in understanding maybe from him directly um, whether 
you know, based on the fact that the right of way is, is, is legally 12 feet, whether he can live with that dimension. And in addition to that, I would definitely want to hear from the grantees themselves that are behind that, that, that actually uh, have rights to that. Um, the, pro the property behind the project, ha have they put something in writing? Have they, how would we know that they're okay with the, the way the right of way is, is designed? Right, Mr. Mr. Champion, I think you've indicated at one point that uh, you've had conversations with the, the grantees and that they are, uh, they see this as an improvement. Is there anything do you, in writing you have to that effect? You're muted right now. Sorry, Ed, you're, you're muted. There we go. Yeah, is, that, is that better? Yes. Okay, terrific. Um, <clears throat> Shreya is on the call, uh, and, I, and I apologize, Shreya, I can't pronounce your last name. Um, and she's at 553 Winthrop Street, and we've had discussions, and, and I, I'll, I'll allow her to speak for herself. I'm not sure if the Amados are on the call, which is 555 Winthrop Street, um, but we, on, on, with 555 Winthrop Street, um, the agreement that we had, and it was, it actually be started off in, um, in court and where the water line for 555 Winthrop Street was traversing across the property. Uh, this land was registered land, so there's no adverse possession. Um, we wanted Mr. Amato to move the water line and, and he didn't want to. Um, with that, after going to court and, and prior to getting to any decisions, but there was some documentation um, when the information was added to the docket. Um, we sat with uh, the prior solicitor and Mr. Amato and their, his attorney, and we we openly discussed that if our project was approved and Mr. Amato supported it, we would we would replace his waterline for him. Um, we completed that uh, May 29th of this year. So so the waterline, the new waterline, was run up the right away for Mr. Amato um, at no cost to him. So um, although I haven't got it in writing from his attorney yet, um, it would be shocking if, if, if that did not um, come to fruition. And I'll let, and I don't know if, um, if you can see um, Shreya on the call, um, but I, I, I saw her earlier. Yes. I, I can't see her. She's still a participant. Perhaps we can. She. Could, I, I don't want to speak for her. I'd prefer that she spoke for herself. Andre, Andy, can you, if you unmute wait. her, could you let us know? Yes. Um, could you repeat her name again? Shreya S H R E Y A, and her last name is spelled B H A. Don't worry about it. <laughs> okay. I, I unmuted there. Oh, there Thank you. you. Right. Thank you. Um, yeah, uh, we, we did speak, um, Ed and I, we spoke once today and once like, uh, I think maybe like six months ago when we just moved in. Um, and, um, Ed did mention that, you know, the paving of the road and putting the guardrail and the guardrail is going to be maintained by the HOA. Um, but as far as main maintenance of the road goes, the right of way, that's, that would be, um, the responsibility of us and 553, right? So we are actually 555 and the motto is 553. It's just um, the opposite. But yeah, we've had that conversation over the phone, um, but not so much in, in writing. 
And I don't know where 553 stands on this. And then there is um, uh, there is another um, piece of road that goes like kind of wraps around our property, so it goes behind. And I think um, Ed, you said that you were going to give up right away for that because that belongs to um, Mr. Connor, and he does not want that paved at all. Uh, but um, if Mr. Connor agrees to it, then um, you can put in some gravel and stuff to kind of even it out. So that's the extent of the conversation we've had. Uh, thank you. That's uh, very helpful, Tria. Um, uh, Ed, I mean, I think it would be great for us just to be able to, just to make sure all the I's are dotted, T's are crossed, to kind of see all this in, uh, you know, in, in writing, make sure that those abutters, uh, that there are, is an, a solid agreement there with, with everybody. That'd be helpful. Okay. Uh, so it looks like you're well on your way. Yes, I believe we're there. Yeah, I should say well on our way. Yes, I agree. Uh, before I open it up to the other members of the public, are there any major issues that uh, board members want to uh, want to highlight that they'd the, like to hear more about? Not so much to hear more, uh, Andre. My biggest concern um, that Tim has already brought up is um, we need new renderings, and I believe Clay has already said that this is a whole new project. It sounds like, and it seems like sounds like there was plan revisions. So before we can even get to the next step, if we can at least see new renderings. Of what? Yeah, yeah, Mr. Champy. Um, so the only changes to the project have been subterranean. I think perhaps board would like to see, and perhaps has always wanted to see, what does it actually look like with this thirty or forty foot wall behind these houses? Um, what does it look like where the property meets another property? We can look at the plans, but to visualize what these very steep grades look like in real life is very difficult. And members of the board, please correct me if I'm misspeaking for you. I don't intend to. No, Alicia, I think, you know, um, and Jackie, thank you. And Alicia, thank you, because I'm just remembering now, um, that I had asked for something very much like this at, at the last the last time we spoke, um, or the last time we met on this subject. Um, but to me, I think you know these these renderings are nice, uh, but they're you know artist interpretations. I think what maybe we're more interested in is is um, some sort of graphic that illustrates the the impact that this is going to have on not only you know. Um, this little piece of land, but the area around it. And I, and to me, it seems like, you know, an aerial view that shows like how everything is laid out, where the neighbors are, how the hill works, that kind of thing. I mean, to me, that's, that's the inter interesting information that we're, we're, I don't think anybody here can, can visualize and will, will only really understand when, you know, everything is in place. So you're suggesting, Kless, something along the lines of a, you know, 20 foot above the street view looking at the, the entire subdivision with the butters around it? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think it would I think it would be, you know, I, I'll leave that up to Mr. Champy, but I, you know, um, 
I don't think anybody here truly understands the impact of, of what is going to happen here. Cause we, we drive out of that road, that, that hole every day now. And I think if we took a careful look at the drawings, we'd find that the hole is going to be two to three times bigger than it already is. And I don't think anybody's really getting that and getting how this is going to impact the way that area is going to look. And, 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 and honestly, you know, and, and I'm a building professional, so, so I, maybe I have a little more ability to see this. I think it's going to look nice, but I think you have to, you have to show us. I mean, would it make sense if there's like a, um, you know, a, a floor plan that extends out to, you know, right and left where the other areas may be impacted and you just pick points of perspective views so you can see like what the abutting house sees and then, you know, where I mean, on the right side. I'm sorry, I'm looking at the mock-up view trying to <laughs> imagine what's on right and left. <laughs> I think, Christy, the reason that I said, um, I think, honestly, I think this is on Mr. Champy and, and, mm. and the proponent to to find a way to illustrate. Like, it, it's not our job to, to show him how to show us what he's doing. Yeah. You know, no, I'm just saying. Is it, it a plan or is it a diagram? Yeah. Is it a section? Is it, you know, mm -hmm. all these kinds of drawings would help us understand and get a better feeling for what is being proposed here. All right, well, let me, let me open up the, uh, the public portion of this hearing so that we can hear from some of the, uh, the neighbors that might be interested in speaking. Uh, Annie, can you help me figure out? So if you, again, if you are on the Zoom meeting, uh, you can raise your hand in the participant uh, section. There should be a button and then there's a little hand uh, button. Uh, again, there's also the, the email and the phone number that was read a couple times earlier in the meeting. Um, Andre, we have Renata Duros who would like to speak. Thank you. Hey, Renata. Uh, it, so it's actually Anthony Duros, Renata's husband, and um, a, the resident and owner of 568 Winthrop Street, a bit down the road. Um, thank you for acknowledging, uh, Mr. Chairman, members of the board, Tim, for your review. Um, I'm pleased to see graphics. Uh, this is my first time looking at the graphics that have been presented. I've come late to uh, an understanding of this project. Um, I've lived down the street for more than a decade, and what we've seen has uh, been a, a terraforming, if you will, of what I would call a beautiful landscape prior, um, reduced to what looks like kind of an abandoned quarry at this stage. Uh, so I'm pleased to see that something ultimately in terms of betterment will happen to the property, but we do have concerns. As one of the neighboring properties, um, one of the concerns has to do with stormwater management and the drainage from, as was stated, basically a 10,000 square foot area across the road. So. One question, and I'm pleased to see that there's a stormwater infiltration system that is proposed. Uh, the first question is whether that system will be connected to the public drainage system 
sewer or sanitary for the area? Or is it entirely meant to hold its own runoff? And Mr. Duros, do you want to go through all of your questions and points and then maybe they can respond all at once? So the questions will proceed based basically on what the answers are, because if they are to be connected um, to the public system, then I would want to see the detail for how they're to be connected, an understanding as to whether our existing public infrastructure is gravity fed versus mechanically driven. Um, we are, The main concern being that should there be substantial runoff during a, a rainwater event, we don't want to see a surge to the adjacent properties because of the distribution system. Uh, we don't want flooding in our basements. We don't want to see water coming up through the toilets due to a surge. Um, this is a major change to the area. I'm uncertain as to what the capacity is for the stormwater infiltration system that's proposed. Um, even if it is to be divorced from the public infrastructure, the expectation would be that given the grade, you're going to see stormwater runoff down that main street there, uh, the 12-foot-wide the roadway at, I believe, what was stated as a 7% grade. So that's the first concern. Okay, Mr. Champy, do you want to respond to that or have one of your team members do that? And then maybe uh, Tim McGivern, if you want to comment, uh, please feel free. Yes, thank you, Mr. Chair. Um, Wayne Kiefner, who's on the call from DCI, um, designed the stormwater system. So I'll ask Wayne to come. Can you hear me? And he will unmute him. Just let us know. Okay, you, you should be unmuted now. Yep. Can you hear me okay? Yes. Okay, perfect. So the system is not connected to the municipal system. It is sized, I believe, to hold the entirety of a 100-year storm. Um, do you know that uh, capacity? Not off the top of my head, I do not. Um, there are two catch basins right at the property line of where the new um, road connects with Winthrop Street. So there'll be very there'll be no runoff from the new road that goes into Winthrop Street because it's intercepted by those catch basins, which then go to a particle separator for treatment and then into the subsurface system. Quick question about the subsurface system, if you're ready. Sure. So I heard um, that it was stated that the ledge or the rock formation does have capacity. Um, what does that mean? So the thought being, we know that there's a groundwater table. Um, there may or may not be fissures within the rock. And is that what you're going to use for some capacity? I don't understand. I think what was what was meant by that, and Frank, or the geotech, can certainly explain this better than than I can. But the normally when we, when we design systems, there's an infiltration rate that is associated with certain soil types. Um, that could range from from one to just to use numbers one to ten. Uh, I want to say that out here, that number is probably closer to like fifty. Um, you know, just to give you a sense of scale. So there's, in my understanding, is there's large amount of fissures in the in the ledge that allow that really high infiltration rate. But Frank is better to answer than, than I can. Mr. Chair, um, 
and and I'm not sure, Annie, if you can see Frank Leathers on. Is he on the call? Yes, I can see him. He's Annie. Do you see him? Is F Leathers is the name? Uh, yes, this is Frank. Um, the 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 basic uh, design of the system uh, is to provide capacity to temporarily hold and then infiltrate into the ground, in this case into the ledge, um, the runoff from the streets. Um, the, the testing we did out there uh, demonstrated that the rock uh, is moderately fractured and has uh, capacity to infiltrate um, substantial quantities of water. Uh, when we uh, did the test, we, we test, we were uh, basically able, the, the rock was able to take water as fast as we could put it in. Um, so we are uh, based on the criteria in the Massachusetts stormwater manual. Um, we exceed the, the minimum requirements substantially uh, and are not expecting there to be any um, up to the design storm, uh, any overflow, if you will, from the system that the ground is able to take the flow uh, in accordance with the mass stormwater uh, regulations. The two catch basins that are mentioned at the base of the road, the side street where it meets Winthrop Street, are those to be connected to the stormwater drainage system, which is public? Um, I, I believe they're connected to this on-site stormwater. Okay, so they connect back to behind the house on lot 10. I believe so. Yeah, Mr. Wayne Kiefner is uh, nodding his head yes. Okay. okay. The, the elevation of the stormwater infiltration, um, I'll call it storage, behind the house on lot 10, uh, if that's a high elevation, how is that going to be expected to retain any or, or capture any water that's introduced at those catch basins? I'm wondering, is it buried awful deep? Well, the, the, uh, this is Frank Leathers again. Um, yes, the, the bottom of the stormwater infiltration system is um, above, uh, above the groundwater level. Uh, by the minimum amount required by the, the uh, Massachusetts regulations um, and far enough below the uh, level of Winthrop Street and the sidewalk uh, so that when the water comes down the new road gets to those catch basins, drops into the catch basins and then flows through uh, an appropriately pitched pipe to the stormwater infiltration system. In other words, the, the, the levels all work together. That's, 
that's been part of the design of the system. I see. Thank you. Um, the first fellow couldn't answer as to the capacity of that system. Do you know that number? Um, I, I don't know it uh, as I sit here today. I, I do know that the, the, the quantity and the ca capacity of the system has been designed uh, to, to meet the Massachusetts stormwater uh, requirements. I, I don't know that number. Okay. Excuse me, Mr. Chair. Yes, Mr. Chairman. Uh, I believe Tim McGowan's looking at looking it up right now. Ed, you're good. I am. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it. Uh, Thanks, guys. Uh, we got four hundred. Oh, let's see. No, 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 no. So just give me a minute. You guys keep talking. It'll take me a second. And I guess the follow-up question would be, are any modifications proposed to the existing area public uh, sanitary or stormwater infrastructure, uh, backflow devices, uh, backflow preventer devices, check valves, other kinds of mechanical um, protection for the neighbors? Well, um so there are there are none none planned um, because normally if you were going to put a backflow in, from my experience, you would you would put it at the at the entrance to to a house. So if if the if the sewerage is flowing down hill in the street and we put a backflow preventer in, it would prevent the backflow up the subdivision, but it wouldn't prevent the flow anywhere else. Um, so if a if a neighbor was concerned about about flow coming back up to, into their into their house, that the backflow preventer would go usually on a house. It would go internally at the house. Right. True. So, but I don't know if other devices exist to prevent flow, like a check valve, uh, counter what's intended, counter flow to what's intended. Um, I. You know, I, I know this is a all, this is a gravity system and a pressurized system. We would there would be check valves all over the place, but this is this is gravity, sir. I, I don't know. I think Tim is raising his hand. Yeah, I get an answer. Yeah. Tim, over to you. It's approximately forty hundred uh, cubic feet. So forty hundred cubic feet, and then I, and and. Some I should mention too is so because this particular system, Tony, uh, is able to take on so much water, and I witnessed the test. Uh, the groundwater level stayed level. Um, the the ground, the ledge, just took took on water. Uh, the first test that they did that was about 125 feet away demonstrated the same thing. That was a little bit more rough around the edges. The the it wasn't an ASTM test or anything. The second round of testing was um, so very high infiltration rates. So the, uh, that 4,800 cubic feet is probably going to remain empty most of the time. Mm -hmm. And uh, just, just to mention, so like, for example, there's a huge reduction of the volume of water entering the public system. I'm just going to pick one storm, the 25-year storm. At, at, at the precondition levels, the site before development, 4,988 uh, cubic feet of water entering the system. The proposed development with the systems that they have in place, 2,368 cubic feet. 
So it's, they're actually reducing the amount of volume of water and, and amount of water entering the public system than, than the site today. Uh, so, okay. that, you know, that's, that's something that we look for. From if, if, if it's increased, then that's a problem. If it's the same, uh, sometimes that can be seen as a problem too, especially if there's issues with the, uh, the, the public system. Uh, so this is, this is seen as a significant improvement to the uh, existing conditions in regards to stormwater rate and stormwater volume. Thank you, Tim. I appreciate that. And if you're comfortable with it, then I'm comfortable as well. I have only two uh, things that I'll offer as potential things to look at. Uh, number one, the size of the catch basins and the size of the lines feeding back into that stormwater infiltration unit and um, perhaps upgrading those. Secondly, um, if the stormwater infiltration unit does at some point fully charge and it's, it's monitored, so it should be monitored, if it fully charges and then doesn't dissipate as intended into the rock formation, then accommodation should be made for um, it to be pumped out in future. So the thought being that should be part of the original design, and it probably already is, but I figured I'd, I'd raise it as a, something to think about. Yep, I'd come to that quickly. That was a concern I had as well, Tony, uh, early on with accessing the system because of the depth. Um, so I was very concerned about the city taking this on from a maintenance standpoint and doing things like that, like if it gets clogged, pumping it out mm -hmm. uh, and, and providing that maintenance. Um, so that was a concern. And since then, um, it's going to be on a, and I have the document here, a regular maintenance schedule with the HOA. So, uh, and I'm in, in the conditions, I'm probably going to recommend some sort of, uh, annual submission of, of maintenance logs to the city, something like that. So record can be kept, uh, because it is significant, uh, and it is, um, uh, just so you know, too, th there is an overflow connected to the city system. So one of the stormwater standards that has to be met is what happens to water in a, a catastrophic event and where does that water go? Uh, so, you know, you look at huge amounts of rainfall and where does that water go? Um, and to a reasonable extent, if this system were to fill up, uh, it would go into the city system. Catastrophic event, the city system is probably full already. Uh, and, you know, then it, it starts running down the street. But we're in a lot of trouble if something like that happens. Thank you, Mr. Duros, for your comments and questions. Are there other comments, Annie, that we have? People raise their hands. Yes, I'm going to unmute um, Peter now. Just a quick question. Um, I live on Lorraine. And over the years, I've heard something about an underground water travel way or something that goes between Smith Lane and parts of Lorraine. Does that, is that still an effect still there? And how will that be affected if that's still running underneath all these houses? Will all that stormwater get caught up with that? I guess is my question. Peter, can I ask you to state your name and address for the record as well? Sure. It's uh, uh, my name is Peter. My last name is Moison, and it's Seven Lorraine Road. And like I said, I've been hearing about underwater, like underwater travel way in our area. And I'm just wondering if that stormwater, if that ever gets into that, will that start seeping into my basement, 
or my neighbor's basements or down down the line. Thank you, uh, Mr. Champy, or you or your team know anything about that? Um, so, so I, I have heard that there's there's that there's been some undermining of foundations on Lorraine Road due to due to water. Um, that's that's you know without being overly critical, it's got more to do with who built the houses than it than it and and the water table may have been rising over time. You know, so it, it could be no one's fault if the water table wasn't there and it's and it's gone up six inches since. However, um, I, I don't have the I don't know if Frank Leathers. Frank, can you? You know, I don't think we're not. The water's not flowing across the street from our site. It's it it's it's flowing back into the water table. And I would, but I really don't know how to answer the question unless Frank or someone has more to add. Well, this this is Frank. Yes, um, I'm. I have not heard before of of so-called um, underground groundwater flow paths or channels. Uh, in that area, but I, I think the the more important um, piece of information is that the the um, <clears throat> stormwater infiltration system is intended and designed to intercept the increase in rate of flow uh, coming from the site, and to put that into a detention. Uh, underground buried detention vault, maybe you would call it, and then infiltrate that into the ground, into the ground water um, at, a, at a rate that um, is, is controlled. And so I'm not expecting that over time uh, this, this development to have any uh, impact on the groundwater level uh, in the area. And Tim, I don't know if you heard the question, uh, Peter's question, uh, or want to comment on it, but. I did. Uh, I'm, I'm familiar. I've heard things. Uh, I know that there are some records. Um, the, the ground, the, the groundwater um, level at this site is um, probably about, uh, I don't know the exact, that maybe, I don't know if you guys know, uh, 10, 12 feet below about the road elevation, something like that. Um, not exactly. No, Tim I, Tim, I think it's a little less than that. I think it's about seven or eight feet, seven or eight feet okay. below the road, the road surface. Right. Yeah. And so this, so we're talking about putting water, there probably will be some sort of groundwater mound after a storm with the system. That mound is going to dissipate incredibly quickly because of the permeability of the underlying ledge. So uh, imagine a rainstorm. It rains. It goes into the system. It is going to create a groundwater mound. In other words, locally raise the level of the groundwater for a few minutes. I don't know exactly what time it would be, but then that would eventually dissipate and the groundwater level would be back. Across the street, the groundwater level is going to stay the same. So um, it's sort of like adding a, a, a glass of water to the ocean. So the, the groundwater level is not really going to change across the street um, ba based off of, uh, you know, my understanding of uh, the system and uh, just general knowledge about the, the, the hydrology of, of this sort of thing. Um, so, I mean, I understood, understand the concerns. I've heard about them before. I, uh, you know, I also believe that 
this project wouldn't exacerbate those. Uh, again, for the for the real reason that they've demonstrated that there's a very high permeability rate of that ledge underneath. So groundwater is moving pretty quickly through there. Um, so uh, and usually groundwater flows involve a whole study of their own. Um, you know, to try to determine what that problem is. So there, there wouldn't be any way for anybody at this meeting to know really why that's happening, what the cause of it is, if it's groundwater, without doing a full, full groundwater study. Um, and that wouldn't be under the, the purview of this project or this board. Thanks, Tim. Yeah. Uh, other questions, Annie? People who have their hand raised? Uh, Len? Again, Len, uh, state your name and address, please, for the record. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Thank you. Uh, my name is Len Levin. Uh, I don't live anywhere near this development, but I have recently been involved in a development close to where I live over on Clark Street, dealing with the same kind of issue, which is a water retention system. And so my question is, in general, to provide my experience and ask is, so who's responsible for this in the case that it fails? Is these 10 homeowners going to eventually be responsible for the, if this thing fails, it, you know, it can be designed. I'm an engineer. It can be designed the best it can, but we know, we know. So who's responsible for this if it fails? Mr. Champy. Uh, Mr. Chair, um, in the event that the system fails, it is the homeowners association responsibility to, to repair it or, or replace it. Um, and Mr. Levine, the uh, being an electrical engineer by trade, and I left that career 25 years ago, um, the tolerances for the stormwater system and its capacity is substantially larger than, than, the, than the expectation of water flowing through it. it it's, not, it's not an engineering problem where you have a, an extra 10% capacity. Um, the flow rate and the infiltration rates that we witnessed during the tests, they were so fast, it was hard to measure. And, and using standards that didn't even reach the capacity that we're reaching to do the calculations was where we came up with it. So we couldn't even find it. We were, we were infiltrating faster than any standard that we could use in, in the calculations. So we, you, you're looking at a system that's, that's got substantially more capacity. We don't know the limits of it, but we know it far exceeds what we need. Thank you. Annie, do we need the, uh, the street address, Mr. Levine? Or did you get that? Um, that would be great. Let me unmute you again, Mr. Levine. Yes. I, I Your live street on, address, please. I, I live on, on Clark Street, which is nowhere near this. But again, Annie may know who I am. I, we, we dealt with these same kind of issues on a subdivision behind our property and the same kind of issues. And so, um, I don't disagree that you can design something as best you can. All I was asking is, is that you have to, you know, as the old saying, you prepare for the worst and hope for the best. And you can design until the cows come home. But that doesn't help you when it fails. And as we know in life, everything has the possibility to fail. So that's all. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Um, I think Shreya raised her Okay. No, go ahead. Uh, no, I would. You. Uh, why don't you call on them? That's easier. No, that works. That's perfect. 
Thank you. I had one last question, um, and this was regarding the pyrotechnics. And um, I believe Mr. Mr. Leathers, uh, you mentioned how there are fissures in the uh, in the bedrock. So, um, has there been any calculations done to show the rate of propagation of the fissures if you're blasting? Because um, you know, Ed, you talked about about like sixty days of blasting. So, how uh, will it accelerate these fissures, and will it propagate to, to like, for example, um, our bedrock, the ones that we're on the hill and um, Forgive my, I'm not, my background is not in construction, but um, so I'm not, I might not be using the right terms, but um, you know, the house is settling from um, cracks and fissures in the bedrock. Would that be a possibility? So that's, I think, one of our concerns. Um, well, first off, yes, that's a very important and appropriate concern. Uh, I don't think it's uh, based on both experience and 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 engineering design um, that the effect of the blasting 